0: Talking about uh, precautions and, and the way the pandemic has impacted people, I was challenged by a story that I read this week by a sweet lady in Jacksonville, Florida, named Mary Daniel. And Mary Daniel's husband, Steve, is in a nursing care facility, a senior care facility for Alzheimer's in Jacksonville, Florida. And prior to the pandemic, Mary would go visit Steve every day and she would stay with him till the evening. She would make sure that he, he got his evening meal, and uh, she would help him get ready for bed, and they would connect that way. As, as Alzheimer's uh, takes its effect on Steve and he deteriorates a little more and a little more, Mary is there for them, she, him. She, she's been there for him. And then the pandemic hit, and at first the nursing care facility restricted access to the patients, uh, and she was not permitted in as often as she had been before. And then the nursing care facility closed access altogether, completely. And Mary could not get in to see her husband. She was distraught by this. She was heartbroken, not only because she couldn't see the love of her life and be with him, but also because for his health, he needed interaction with her. Uh, He needed that hands-on touch every evening to, to know someone was there and someone loved him. And she was very concerned that he would deteriorate and decline even faster. Then one day, the senior care facility called Mary and offered her a job. Uh, They offered her a part-time job washing dishes in the kitchen. They had gotten to know know her for her many evenings at the facility coming out to see Steve, and they thought of her when the time came, and she jumped at the opportunity to take a job washing dishes in that care facility, not because she loved to wash dishes, not even because she needed the money. But why? So she could be close to Steve. So she could stay there with him, back with him in the evenings, and connect with him once again. It was a challenge to me to read that story because what stuck in my mind was, who do I love so much that I would do anything, anything to be with them? But even more to the point, do we love God so much we would do anything for him. We would do anything to adjust and adapt our time to be with him, and we would do anything for him, anything he called us out to do. He would receive from us a resounding yes for no other reason than we love him that much. we do anything for him. We go back to Mary, another Mary, Mary the mother of Jesus in Scripture this morning, and that's what we find in her heart the heart of a teenage girl that loved God so much, she would say, yes, I'll do anything. Even in her toughest times, she said yes. If you have your Bible with you again, find with me Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, we return to the same passage we were in last week. We'll start reading in just a moment. Luke chapter 1 and verse 46. And you'll recall that once the angel told Mary that she was pregnant with child, the angel also told Mary that her relative Elizabeth was pregnant. Another miracle. And Mary took off to go see Elizabeth. Uh, And they rejoiced together in what God was doing because God had not only given them children, God had given them, in, in Elizabeth's case, the one who would be the forerunner, the prophesied one, who would come before the Messiah and herald that the king is coming. And he had given Mary the Christ child. The Messiah himself would be born through Mary. And they rejoice together. They don't gather up and complain because God has changed their lives, because it's a hard time to have children. They don't gather up and complain and wonder what in the world does God think he's doing, because Mary suddenly, just like that, will be an unwed child. Pregnant teenager. In a culture which is hostile to unwed women, let alone pregnant teenagers, and in a religion that said the only way that could happen is if she had committed adultery, a fact that would follow her, a belief that would follow her, and a stigma that would follow her and Joseph and even Jesus all of their lives. So does she complain? Does she say, No way? No, she rejoices, she celebrates. Look at that with me. Luke chapter 1 and verse 46. Her song of praise has come down through history uh, titled the Magnificat after the Latin term for her praise that she magnifies the Lord. And we'll begin reading at verse 46. The Bible says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. There's one thing we learn about Mary in the first two chapters of Luke is that she's one of these thoughtful, reflective people. She pauses and considers what's happening. Uh, For example, when the angel comes and tells her that she is going to be blessed with child, and this child will be the Messiah himself, She reflects on that, and she considers it, and she asks a question. How can this be? Because I've never been with a man. It's not a lack of faith. She's not expressing doubt. She's seriously wondering, I believe God is going to do this. I just wonder how he's going to do it. Right away, she distinguishes herself as a reflective, thoughtful person. We meet her again in chapter 2 at the nativity when the shepherds come uh, and they sell, they see Christ, as they put it, will go see what this thing that the angel has told us about, and they go to Bethlehem, and they see the Christ child in the manger with his parents, and the shepherds depart to proclaim Christ. The Bible says very simply, Mary treasured all these things in her heart. And she pondered it. She thought about it. She paused to consider what God was doing. Later on in chapter 2 of Luke, we see the same thing. You'll remember the story uh, when Jesus is twelve years old, the Bible just fast forwards he 's twelve years old. He and his family his parents are at the temple in jerusalem and they're uh, they're celebrating a feast and then the parents depart in a caravan of family members that 's why they would not have known. Jesus was not with them. They had assumed for quite some time that he was traveling probably with his cousins or uh, with other children in the caravan, with other family members. And then some stop along the way, they find out that Jesus is not with them. And Mary and Joseph rush back to find him. And when they locate locate the 12-year-old Jesus, he's sitting there with the rabbis having a theological discussion. They're asking him questions. He's asking them questions. And his mom and dad come in and they say, well, you made us worry about you. And he said, why? Did you not know I would be in my father's house? And the Bible says that Mary pondered that in her heart. See, Mary was that kind of mom that let everything in, absorbed what was happening and what God was doing. She was that kind of person that was reflective and thoughtful. She didn't rush into things. She she paused, but she was obedient to God and took time out to think about what God was doing. And that brings us back to the passage we just read. This passage is a pause to praise God. It's a pause to praise God, something you and I rarely ever do anymore. But she takes time out to reflect on what God is doing in her life and what God is doing through her life and what God has done for her and for all the nation of Israel and all the people of the world, she pauses and her reflection elicits a song of praise for what God is doing. Now keep in mind, this is going to be her toughest time. Up to this moment, Life was fairly predictable up to the time the angel came and told her what God was doing. Life was fairly predictable. She was on a similar path as all of her friends were on and probably her sisters were on, uh, that they would get married, that they would have a family, they would be a good Jewish family, celebrate the festivals, do all the things that God wanted them to do. And God has just turned her life upside down. But rather than complain, Rather than say, why me? She pauses to praise God for what he's done. Last week in this same passage, we talked about what God is doing in our toughest times. Now I want to talk about how we should respond in our tough times and about the one way we almost never respond in our toughest times. Our priority is to praise God. Our priority is to praise God, even in our toughest times, in our most difficult situations. When we're faced with the pandemic, with the problems, with all the things that uh, are, were un- are unpredictable in our lives, our priority is still to praise God. Let's go back to the passage. I want you to see with me what we can learn from Mary about this priority of praising God, what it means to praise God, and how we should do that, and why it's so important. For example, first, when you praise God, praise God for who he is. Praise God for who he is. Our inclination, the way we usually uh, express our gratitude to God, is for what he's done for us. Uh, And we think of it as thanksgiving. We're thankful to God when God blesses us, when God does things for us. Otherwise, we question God on what he's doing. God, why is this happening to me? Why are we going through a tough time? Why is the, Why am I suffering this hardship? And then when good things happen, when God heals us, when our finances uh, are, are back together, when things are going well, the children are doing good, we thank God for what he does. Thank you, God, for doing these things. When you turn your attention to Scripture, you find that over and over and over, the people of the Bible thank God, praise God first and foremost, simply for who he is, just for who he is. Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. My my soul magnifies the Lord. The phrase means deep inside me personally, I magnify God. The term magnify translates a word that means I exalt him. Me personally, I exalt God. I I don't wait for somebody else to do it. Nobody does it on my behalf. I exalt God personally. I raise Him up in my life. But here's the interesting thing. I exalt the Lord. The word translated Lord, the name translated Lord, is distinctive. It has a particular meaning in relation to God. It refers to His ownership of Mary. She belongs to Him. In other words, the first thing she praises God for, the reason she's magnifying him, is because he is her creator. He deserves praise for no other reason than he is her God. He owns her life. He controls and is sovereign over the affairs of Mary, her family, and all of humanity. He is Lord. He is God. And she exalts him. She praises him. She magnifies him in her life. Because he owns her life. Now, to you and I in 21st century sensibilities, we don't even like saying that. But in the Bible, it's a key feature of our relationship with God. The thought of God owning a person, we don't like that. But in the Bible, it was the key because he's our creator. He owns everything. Everything belongs to him. It's a good thing that you belong to God. Not a bad thing. It's a good thing that you belong to him. Because it means you know he's in control, that even when you look outside and you watch the news and with all the problems we have and the pandemic and all the confusion and unpredictability, God is God. He is in control. He is sovereign. We praise him first for who he is. Mary goes on to say, and my spirit rejoices in God. Here it is, my Savior. God, my Savior. Throughout the Bible, when God reveals himself to people, he reveals a character trait to those people, that he's provider, that he's healer, that he's redeemer. And to Mary, he has revealed that he is Savior. Now, she had been taught all her life that God was Savior, that God was the Savior of the world. She has just learned that he is her Savior. And that he is including her in his salvation history. The saving event would be exercised through her and include her. One of the great works of God in history would include Mary. A little teenage girl from Nazareth in Galilee. Praise God for who he is, Mary says. He's my savior. He's not only saving the world through me, he's saving me. He's my savior. Praise God first and foremost for who he is. Have you done that lately? Have you sat back lately and said, God, I can't explain what's going on, and sometimes I have trouble handling what's going on, and God, sometimes I wonder if you're going to do anything in my life or answer this prayer or that prayer, but God, here's the thing. I know you are God. You are majestic. You are almighty. I praise you. You are The Alpha, the Omega, the Beginning, the End. I praise you for who you are. That you understand and know what I could never understand and know. That you're more powerful than I can even conceive. That you have a plan for me I cannot even grasp. You are God, my Creator. And because you created me, God, you love me, you care for me. You are my Savior. My King. My Redeemer. And my friend. Praise God just for who He is. It's because we praise God for who he is that we know, we know, we know all this confusion in the world, all that's going on around us, the pandemic, the problems, does not outweigh the single event we celebrate this time of year, Christmas. Every time you celebrate Christmas, you are praising God for who he is. He did for you what he promised he would do. He did for us what he promised he would do. He sent his son Jesus into the world. He is God. And every time you go home and you look at that little nativity there that you have in your house, and I hope you do, and that little baby Jesus who came into the world frail and vulnerable, look at that nativity. Look at that little baby Jesus and say, praise God for who you are that you came in the flesh to save me from my sins. Praise God for who he is. It's the first thing we should do in tough times. Secondly, then praise God for what he does. After you praise God for who he is, praise God for what he does, it's because of who he is that God does what he does. Verse 48 because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant, because the mighty one has done great things for me, and his name is holy. He has looked upon me with favor and the humble condition of his servant. We learned last week that phrase refers to the contrast between the way the world sees Mary, which is as an insignificant person from an insignificant place, to the way God sees Mary. In her humility, he chooses her for the great work of God, to include her in the great work of God in history. He has looked on me with favor. That's what she means. He paid attention to me. He favored me. He picked me out to be with Him in this great work and to include me in this great work. This is why, she says, because the Mighty One has done great things for me and His name is holy. This thing that He has done in my life, Mary says, it's not an accident. It's nothing to complain about. It's a great thing he has done for me. The phrase mighty one translates a term That refers to God being capable and God accomplishing whatever God decides to do. In other words, he is the one who takes action. He has done things for me, Mary says, and this one thing he has done, the one who can take action, the one who can do anything he wants to do, he could have picked out out a president, a king, an emperor, a wealthy person, a rabbi, but he picked me, Mary says, and that's something he's done for me. Because he was fully capable of doing it. He is the mighty one. He's the mighty one in your life and in my life. He is the God who can do whatever he promises to do. God has never made a promise he will not fulfill, and he is always capable of fulfilling those promises. God is able. He is the mighty one in your life. Can you say that of yourself, of anyone else? Of course not. But you can praise God for what He has done because everything He has done in your life has been according to His plan and, his, and fulfilling His promises. God is the mighty one that carries out the works He promises that He will do. That's God. You can praise Him for what He's done. Now you can pause. You praise Him for who He is, praise Him for what He does. Praise God for helping you with your finances. Praise God God for disciplining you when you wander away from fellowship with God. Praise God for for providing for you all that you need. Praise God for His healing, for His hope and for His help in times of need. Praise God for giving you His Word. Praise God for speaking to you through His Word. Praise God for all that He's done for you. Praise God for the family that He's giving you, even the ones you don't like. Praise God. For what he's done for you. He is the mighty one. And he brings his hand of action into your life. Christmas shows us God can do what God promises to do. We could not possibly write a work of fiction that would depict what God has done at Christmas. It has to be history. It's biblical. It's solid. God and God alone could have brought come into the world in a child. Grown to be a man, lived a completely sinless life, in obedience to the Heavenly Father, died on the cross, raised from the grave to give you and me eternal life. Thank God, praise God for what He has done. It doesn't matter how bad the pandemic gets. This never changes. Now, it matters to us how bad the pandemic gets, but our problems, the pandemic, the unpredictable nature of life, it doesn't overshadow God is the mighty one who does what he promises to do. And you can always praise God for who he is and for what he does. Then last, praise God for what he will do. Praise God for what he will do. You may think that sounds kind of odd because he hasn't done it yet. How can I praise him for what he will do? But listen, we believe he is God. God is sovereign over history. God is sovereign over the events of the world. We can praise God for what he will do. Mary saw herself in the grand scheme of God's history. She said in verse 50, His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. God never changes. He shows mercy on all who worship him. Verse 55, To Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. And she sees herself in the great promises of God in the scheme of God's history. And she knows that God is fulfilling his plans. When she says that she praises God for what he has done for me, it's a reminder. See, when you praise God for who he is and for what he's done, you're praising him for what he will always do. You know he's going to behave like God as he's behaved in the past. You know he's going to be that same God every day moving forward. You know because he, he, he's blessed you and shown you grace and never given up on you. Never, you've never lost hope because of him and because of Christ. You know that's what the future will be as well. You know God never changes. That's who he is. And because of who he is, we know what he does. And we know that we can praise him for what he will do. See, here's the thing. We don't have to know God's plan to know that God has a plan. We don't have to know God's plan to know that God has a plan. We can know because of his nature, because of who he is. We can know because of what he's done in the past and how he's behaved. We can know he will always behave that way. He's always God, our God, the Mighty One, who does great things in our lives and in history. That's our God. That's who he is. So we can trust him for what we do not see and what we do not know. We can even praise him For what we do not see and what we do not know. We can praise God for 2021. We can. It's not here yet, but we can praise God because he's the same God in 2021 that he was in 2020, 2019, 2018. You get the idea. He is the same God always and forever, the beginning and the end. We can praise him for what he will do. This past week, Forrest Taylor and I had a phone call. Now, if you don't know Forrest well... Uh, He sings in our praise team, and he leads our facility development team, and was part and is part of our Strategy 2019 team as well. Uh, When you come in the building, we still have the uh, uh, illustration of Strategy 2019 on the back wall. Before the pandemic began, we were in process and had had successfully finished several upgrades and updates to our worship center uh, to other parts of the building. But part of strategy 2019 is also a renovation to this sidewall to add classrooms, acquire room, and add some storage. By the way, the storage building out back is, is part of that strategy as well. So we were moving forward, and Forrest Taylor was spearheading this, he continues to do so, uh, but kind of hit some bends in the road along the way, uh, and as the, and then the pandemic hit, and, and and the renovation hit more bends in the road and some bumps. And, and Forrest, as tenacious as he is, kept out in front of it, kept working through the spring, through the summer. He and I talked frequently on the phone. How's it going? I'll let you know tomorrow. It's interesting how God works in God's timing. And I get asked this question a lot. Well, when are we going to start that renovation? Now we're going into 2021, early in 2021, We'll come to you. We'll give you information, First Baptist Church. We're going to talk some more about this. But in the conversation Forrest and I had this week, we both laughed. We agreed in this one thing. God's in control. God and God alone knows when we're going to do this. God and God alone knows when everything will settle down. And we're going to trust God for that. We already know some changes would need to be made to it as we proceed. That's okay. You know why? I don't need to know God's plan to know that God has a plan. And you and I together can praise God for what He will do. Can't we? So remember that this morning as you depart. First, praise God for who He is. The Alpha, the Omega, the Beginning, the End. He is merciful, compassionate, powerful, almighty, and He's gracious, and He's merciful to you. He came to you in Jesus Christ. To save you from your sins. Praise God for what He does. Remember that God provides for you. God sustains you. God has redeemed you. Most of all, remember what He has done for you in Jesus Christ. Christmas celebrates it. You, believer in Christ, gave your life to Christ and He faithfully fulfilled His promise. The mighty hand of God saved you from your sins. Forgave you of your sins. So you could have a home in heaven and walk with Christ today. Praise Him for what He will do. We don't have to know what it is to know that God is always faithful, that God is always compassionate, God is always merciful, and God has a plan. I don't need to know the plan to know that God has a plan. Praise God for that. Believers in Christ, I want to challenge you this morning. Ask and answer that one question. Do I love God enough to say yes no matter what? Do I love God enough to rearrange my life to stop and pause in the middle of it all, to praise God for what I don't understand. Praise God because I know He's the same. Praise God because He's working in my toughest times. Do I love God so much I would do anything to say yes to what He wants me to do. And if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, let me challenge you in that this morning. I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to pause and I'm going to offer you an opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, the one who came to the manger of Bethlehem, died on the cross for you and God raised him from the grave so you could have eternal life. Would you give your life to Christ today? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pause in this moment God to praise you and thank you God. Thank you for who you are. Thank you, God, for what you've done for us. And God, we praise you for what you're going to do. We don't have to understand it all, God. And I'm so glad we don't. Because God, it deepens our trust in you as we seek to walk with you. God, we praise you for what you will do. And at the end of 2020, going into 2021, God, we praise you for what you will do. Father, for believers in Christ, God, examine our hearts. I pray for us, Father that when we answer that question who we love so much that we would say yes no matter what we answer that question with Jesus no matter what we would do whatever you want us to do God to follow Christ into the great things of God in our time and for those who have never trusted Christ as their Savior God I pray today would be the day they put all their faith and trust in the one who came to Bethlehem for them lived a sinless life died on the cross and rose from the dead so they could have eternal life. Father, for those who would trust Christ as their Savior today, we pray this prayer together. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, and I know that I can't save myself. And Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me, and that you're alive today. Jesus, I repent of my sin and commit my life to Jesus Christ today. Come into my life today, God. Change me and make me more like Christ. And it's in his precious name we pray. Father, I pray, God, for all of us, that our hearts would be full of praise and that you would forgive us, God, for not praising you, our God, our Savior, for all that you do for us and for who you are in Christ. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray.